Welcome back to Resident Strangers. I'm Sarah Shallow, and I'm joined in the studio with Steve Ingram and Rich Holland. So we're at the end of September. It's still, it still it's feels still like summer hot. in Arizona. It's summer gracious. <laughs> but are you all into pumpkin spice? Oh my heavens, no. No? What about you? Like, do you like, like baked goods, the coffee? Well, Steve's not a coffee drinker, but do you like pumpkin Sarah, spice? Sarah, we just not? had this discussion <laughs> about what kind of tea I like. Black tea, no flavor, no sugar, possibly a piece of lemon in it, but not squeezed. No, pumpkin spice <laughs> is not my thing. Pumpkins do not grow naturally in Arizona, as far as I know. Well, that's true. They're not Much native like to the Sonoran sea- Desert. Seafood is also not native to Arizona. <laughs> right. No, you're right about that for sure. All right. Well, I was thinking we could bond over our love of pumpkin spice, but I guess not. So <laughs> with that, I will just jump right in to yeah, our... In lieu of the pumpkin spice, <laughs> let's talk theology. Let's talk theology. <laughs> so we are continuing on in our doctrinal statement that we hold to here at Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. As always, this is found on our website. It's linked in the show notes. So we are at number four on our doctrinal statement. And here's what it says. Jesus is the eternal son of God, equal with the father and Holy Spirit in essence, nature, power, and glory. He was born in this world of a virgin so that becoming the perfect God, man, he might become the perfect sacrifice for man's sin. You know, the study of Jesus, uh, again, part of theology proper in one sense, and yet it has its own standalone place called Christology, study of Christ really maybe of all is the most important because if you get Jesus wrong, you, you're going to get it all wrong. Mm-hmm. And you even think of today, you think of Jehovah's Witnesses, you think mm-hmm. of Mormons, you think of even Islam has a concept of Jesus, but you get this wrong. And so this is so important, but let's be honest, this is difficult. The perfect God man And this is why if you study church history, you understand that the, in the early days of the church, the first councils, uh, you go back to some of the creeds that we sometimes read and are, are reminded of, they were mostly about who is Jesus because there was so much air of trying to take what scripture tells us about Jesus and trying to figure it out and trying to come up with a theory. And, you know, somebody would emphasize this to a point where it was true, but became the whole truth that it was no longer the truth. And so this is so important for us to understand who Jesus is, that he is the eternal son of God. He is equal with the father and Holy spirit. He is the perfect God, man. Yeah. And we, we touched on this a little bit when we talked about the doctrine of the Trinity and how God has revealed that he is one God who exists in three persons. And what's interesting is when we get to Christology, we see that Christ is one person who has two natures, right? So it's like almost a mirror image of of what we're saying here. And Steve, you mentioned history a minute ago. I'm not sure if I should start with this or not, but I I actually think it would be beneficial. Go ahead. uh, To look at the Chalcedonian statement, 451 AD, 
the council that met at Calston. And what's interesting is, like you said, Steve, they were fighting about this stuff. Yes, they, they, they were. They, and they recognized the importance of getting it right. Mm-hmm. They wanted to be able to accurately describe uh, what scripture teaches about Christ. And so what's funny about this statement, and you, I'm going to read it here in a second, but you'll probably hear as I read it, you'll hear in the words, the controversies that they were trying to solve, the the channel that they were trying to chart through this difficulty of trying to sort out what's what. So I'm, I'm going to, it may seem unusual. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Is that okay, Sarah? Can I read it? Real quick. Yes. What, what is this that this, you're reading from? I, you, you're so saying it's is, a council yeah, this for, is a statement, for the listener. Yeah, definition of Christology from a council that took place in Chalcedon or Chalcedon, I don't know how you want to pronounce it, in 451 AD. And maybe in the show notes, we can link one of the of one of the places where somebody could find okay, this absolutely. on the internet. And Rich, having not looked at it recently, but yeah. I think this was kind of the final word. Yes. This was the one that everyone agreed, and, and now they moved on to other theological right. issues over the next 1,500 years. People have probably heard of Nicaea or the Nicene Creed. That kind of came before this, mm-hmm. uh, and this is sort of the final statement here. All right, so here it goes. We then, following the Holy Fathers, all with one consent, Teach men to confess one and the same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the same, perfect in Godhead, and also perfect in manhood, truly God and truly man, of a reasonable soul and body, consubstantial with us according to the manhood, in all things like unto us without sin, begotten before all ages of the Father, according to the Godhead, and in these latter days for us and for our salvation, born of the Virgin Mary, the mother of God, according to according to the manhood. And one in the same Christ, sorry, I lost my place there. One in the same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, to be acknowledged in two natures, inconfusedly, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably the distinction of natures being by no means taken away by the union but rather the property of each nature being preserved and concurring in one person and in one subsistence not parted or divided into two persons but one and the same son and only begotten god the word the lord jesus christ as the prophets from the beginning have declared concerning him and the lord jesus christ himself has taught us and the creed of the Holy Fathers has handed down to us. Rich, I got to say, I'm a little <laughs> disappointed you didn't have that memorized. Yeah. <laughs> well, another quick question. I'm yeah. just thinking, you know, I'm kind of here to represent the listeners. That's kind of how I represent. So, so that's not scripture. So then how do we as Christians say, well, yeah, we're putting our, our stamp on this. You right. know, you get what I'm asking? So we, yeah, we touched on that very briefly in like episode one, however many weeks ago that was. <laughs> uh, but we talked, we talked about what systematic theology is trying to do, right? So systematic theology is trying to understand a particular subject, whatever subject you're talking about. In this case, we're talking about Christology based on uh, a survey of everything that scripture has to say about it, right? So there isn't anywhere in scripture where we say, where it's going to, we're going to quote, Jesus is the perfect God, man, one person in two natures. It doesn't say that anywhere. And yet, uh, as 
as theologians, as Christians have mined the, the, the scriptures over the years, we say this is what we see that scripture teaches, that Jesus is the, a, one person in two natures, truly God and truly man. Yeah, trying to take all these things, because what, what would happen, even what happens today theologically, is people take one passage and they emphasize it. So it's like the, I mean, the perfect picture of the Jesus being the God man is him asleep in the boat. And then he gets up and he calms the waves, right? So he's, he's tired. So what some people tend to do is look, he's asleep in the boat. So he's mostly man. And other people look at, no, he calmed the storm. So he's mostly God. And that's where all of the, the discussion. And of course, either one of those, again, as you start following them down, lead you to really bad air down the way. And so the church wrestles with coming to an understanding and a consensus that taking all of what scripture says, this is it. And so that's what those kind of creeds are. Now, the problem is we are, what, 1,500 years Pass from that, that one. Uh, the language is a little bit different. It's it's hard to, you know, would be a hard thing to memorize and to, to be able to express. And so that's why we don't probably look at them as much as we should. But it was trying to condense into one statement a balanced but biblically accurate theology of who Jesus is. Now, there are passages that get us a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I think a few episodes ago, Steve, you recommended, we, we, didn't we talk about how, what do you recommend? Where do they start with the Bible? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Book you, of John. Book of John. And I do the same thing, right? So John 1, the first chapter of John, gets us a lot of what that statement that I read from Chalcedon, what it actually says. So, so to the listener, uh, maybe hit pause if you're at home and if you're not driving, uh, hit pause and go get your Bible and open to John one. I, I just will. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but I, I do want to point out a few things uh, from John one that gets us a lot of what we not everything and not in every detail and not in the explanation that we, we might want. Uh, but it gets us a lot of what we just said about who Jesus is, about who Christ is. Uh, OK, so in John one, a lot of people have this uh you know, this part of this passage memorized. I have some of it memorized. Um, In the beginning was the word. So right away, right, John is identifying, he's using this word word to identify uh, Christ. And we get that later on, uh, you know, in verse 14, the word became flesh, right? Mm -hmm. So we're, we're talking about Christ, who, who is the person who took on human nature in Jesus. So this phrase in the beginning is a, you know, it's a really clear statement um, that the, the word, the divine word, the divine son of God did not begin to exist when Jesus flesh began to live inside of Mary's womb. That's not, that was not the beginning of Christ, but Christ rather is eternal. So the person, the divine son of God uh, is eternal with the Father. Another place you could look for this, by the way, I was thinking about this, uh, the I am statements in John, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. This is this is repeated elsewhere in John, where uh, like in 858, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And that's that says a lot, but one of the things it reminds us of is that Jesus is eternal. And of course, that phrase, in the beginning, uh, immediately helps us to think back to Genesis 1-1, right? That, that Jesus there is in the beginning. 
So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this is a very fascinating verse because it tells us a couple of things. It tells us that Jesus is to be identified with God. Jesus uh, is with God and is God. So Jesus is God, but yet the person is distinct from both the Father and the Spirit. And all of that is bound up in that in that verse right there, that he's with God and is God. Uh, and Colossians 2.9 would be another one to look at, right? Which is a, an, a Colossians 2.9 is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, well, the whole book of Colossians, is. because <laughs> that, that argument about who Jesus is, I was even thinking of Colossians 1. Oh, yeah. 15. He's the yep. image of the invisible God. That's right. Firstborn of all creation. Firstborn again. We think, oh, well, then he was born. No, no, no. That's priority and right. rank and status. Uh, for by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So he, it it's not just that he created it by the act of creation, but right. the, the, the whole creative thought was in him, the power, it was all in him. He is before all things, and all things hold together uh, by him. The so, reason I like two nine is because it says for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that is an amazing, amazing statement. Uh, so we, we've talked about songs before on this podcast. Let me talk about another one. You know, that, that Carol that we, that song we sing at Christmas all the time, uh, hark the herald angels sing. Yes. Yes. And there's a line in there that I don't like. It says, "You are so picky." I know, I'm so picky. <laughs> so picky. I'm going to look like. right at you when Christmas time rolls right. around. I'm going to be in the mic, that's looking right at you. That's what it's right like to you. be a philosopher when you're singing songs. <laughs> but it says, "It says, veiled in flesh, the, the God, God had seen." Yeah, exactly. And I think that's theologically terrible. That Hebrews says he's the. He's the expression. That's not right. The veil. It's not a ve- in the incarnation when Christ well, comes. Well, now I don't Jesus, like it either. <laughs> when Christ comes uh, in Jesus, it is not a veiling of anything. It's a revelation. God is revealing Himself in uh, in Christ. So, so yeah. Uh, and then a second ago, Steve, in Colossians one, you were talking about creation, mm-hmm. and we actually get that in John one as well yep. in verse three. All things were made through him with, and it's as if you needed to be more emphatic without him, nothing was made that was made. That is an amazing statement to think that Jesus Christ, Christ, the the second person, the Trinity, God, the son is the agent of creation. And we don't, I, I think in our normal language about God, we don't normally talk that way, that Jesus is the creator, but that's exactly what this passage says. And then, of course, in verse 14, and he became flesh. That's right. And dwelt among us. And we beheld, right? God is spirit. Jesus now is flesh. We beheld his glory, even as the only begotten of the Father. So Jesus is that perfect God-man, fully God, fully man. And so this, to me, is, again, from a practical pastoral Jesus has walked where we've walked. He is, he's faced things that we're going to face. That's why I, 
the book of Hebrews talks about we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us. He can sympathize, and yet the beautiful thing is he did it all without sin. Yeah, it's interesting to think about today's controversies about Jesus. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of controversy about whether or not Jesus is God, right? Well, back in the day, the controversy was whether or not Jesus was human. <laughs> and they, because they understood from what they saw uh, that Jesus must be God. And so there were some who were tempted to deny that he was human. Uh, and we have to avoid, of course, both of those mistakes. Jesus is truly God and truly man. And again, thinking of some of the air of our day, Jesus didn't become God. Mm. He didn't grow into being God. Uh, it was not even through his life and what he did and his sacrifice that he became God. He came as God. And then he was forever united with human flesh to become our perfect sacrifice. Yeah. So a, a couple of quick clarifications, maybe. Um, and what you just said reminded me of one of them. Uh, when we say, um, like, I, I got to try to be real precise. And that's, that's, the th well, that's what we have to do, right? Yes. To avoid error, we have to be precise. So I don't know that I want to say that Jesus is eternal if it gives people the idea, the wrong idea, that Jesus' body of flesh and bones existed before he was in Mary's womb, right? So when we say well, that, that Christ is eternal, we're not saying that the body of Jesus preexisted anything. The we're, literal body. The, right. We're talking about the, the person who is God or, the Son. Or even his human nature. Right. His human nature right. and his body was created came in, into existence. In That's right. And it was united. Now, when we talk eternally, we're looking now forward to all of eternity. Jesus will both human nature, uh, deity united in one, one person forever. Yeah. And that's actually another clarification to make, right? This was not a temporary condensation, con condescension, <laughs> condensation. That's something different. All that's all more of a Noah's Ark that's conversation. Right. <laughs> it was God temper. It wasn't God temporarily yes. coming down into our create. It's, it was a permanent thing. Yeah. The incarnation uh, began at a specific time in history. And by the way, I, I, we're brushing past this. Maybe we should pause and say that we're using the term incarnation. Uh, that word carn, car, the carn part of that refers to flesh. It's the enfleshment, right? It's, it's the second person, the Trinity, God, the son taking on human nature and a body. That's what we mean by that. But the point is that's not temporary, right? This is something that is now permanent. No, when Jesus comes back in Revelation 19, he is riding on that's a horse. Right. He has a name written on his I was side. Gonna say, you can't miss the tattoo. You yeah, have to talk about right. the tattoo yeah. on the thigh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was an eternal joining together, um, which then... You know, I, I have a hard time thinking about that with just thinking about, man, why would he love me so much? Mm. I mean, to leave the glories of heaven, not just to come for a short time, and for a short time to be united with his creation, but forever and ever. I mean, his love for us is great. Mm. I don't know what you're going through today. 
His love for you is great. Uh, By the way, maybe you're listening to this and you've not come to put your faith in Jesus. The whole reason he was united with his human nature was so that he could become one of us, live a perfect, sinless life, and then pay the penalty for our sins. Mm. And, And then he rose from the dead and he offers that forgiveness to everyone as an absolute free gift if you will come to him by faith putting your trust in him, not your trust in you and what you're doing or in a church, but in him. And going back to John one, Steve, on that point, uh, in him was life. In him was life. And the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then I love going to 11 and 12, right? Uh, Jesus, the word came to a group of people that should have recognized him, but they didn't. And then verse 12, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And of course, John later on at the end of the book, he says, this is why he's writing it in the first place, right? He's identifying who Jesus is, that we might believe in Jesus. And then in believing we might have life in his name. Amen. That's a great place for us to stop. Thank you both so much. I hope this has been encouraging to all of you that have been listening. Keep this episode in mind as you're having conversations, maybe with friends or family that don't quite understand who Jesus is. Let this be a resource for you. And we'll be back next week continuing on in this conversation. So thank you both. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Resident Strangers, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. Resident Strangers is hosted by Steve Ingram, Rich Holland, and me, Sarah Shallow. Our show is produced by Brandon and Brittany Petrie, and again, me, Sarah Shallow. If you like our podcast, please remember to share, subscribe, leave a review, and visit dscchurch.com for more information.